Well, our scripture reading today comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, starting at verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant to us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I baptize with? And they replied, We're able. Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it's for those for whom it's been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it's not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. We live in a culture of convenience. You know what I mean by that? I mean, it is all around us. Uh, we can't get away from the culture of convenience. In fact, it's so much a part of who we are that, that, that there are things we don't even recognize as part of this convenience culture, uh, uh, like the drive through for example, uh, and, you know, ordering those great Starbucks coffees, right? Uh, even ice machines. You know, uh, my, my mom, the ice maker in her refrigerator broke. And, and for several months, I'd go over there and she has, a, you know, one of those um, plastic containers and we, we break the ice and we put it in there and we get it out. And, and I asked her, I said, why don't you get your refrigerator, your ice maker fixed? And she goes, well, it's no big deal, just a pour water in the trays and put them in the freezer. And I thought, man, I didn't realize my mom had gotten to that kind of poverty level. <laughs> you know, it's just these conveniences that we take for granted and technology has even ramped that up over the last decade. We can go just about anywhere and order food and practically speak to no one. <laughs> We can order whatever we need for around the house without leaving our house and have it delivered at our door within a couple of days. Now, don't hear me say convenience is not a bad thing. The problem for us Jesus followers is the way of Jesus is not convenient. During uh, Lent, we've been reading through the Gospel of Mark as a church, and, and this past week we were assigned uh, chapters 9 and 10. And in this part of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is uh, beginning a discipleship training, so to speak, discipleship 101. Uh, so many of these 
uh, readings, Jesus is trying to teach the disciples what's going on, and they're struggling to wrap their minds around what it means to be a follower of, of this rabbi of Jesus. Uh, our former bishop here in North Alabama, Will Williman, uh, he, he called the disciples a bunch of knuckleheads. <laughs> you know, uh, in, in our reading this week, uh, really starting from chapter 8 last week, but, but into chapter 9, we, we see the transfiguration. That's when Jesus goes on the mountain and becomes transformed with a white light, and there's Elijah and Moses. And it really displays who Jesus is to his disciples. Uh, after seeing this miraculous thing, the disciples still struggle. They don't get it. Later in chapter 9, the disciples are trying to heal a young boy, and they're not having any success. And Jesus gets just flabbergasted with them. And he, he says this in 919, you faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. As they traveled to their next stop after the encounter with this young boy, uh, along the way, the disciples get into a little tiff about who's the greatest among them. Were you surprised that that's what the disciples are, are arguing about? And when they get to where they are, Jesus looks at them and says, hey, what were you guys arguing about on the way? And they're silent. They know. They know they missed it yet again. Then we come to this passage that Brett read for us today. John and James have a request. Let one of us sit on your left and one of us sit on your right. Now, we don't know what prompted them to ask this question. If you were here on the first Sunday of Lent, we, we talked about uh, these two guys, James and John. They were the two who were in the boat with their father, and Jesus said, come and follow me, and they left their nets and their father with the hired hands to follow Jesus. So maybe at this point in the ministry, they're trying to figure out a way to get some honor back within their family. They totally missed what Jesus is all about. Uh, they imagined that Jesus would, would come into a kingdom, and if Jesus is in charge, one of them sitting on the right and one of them sitting on the left would restore their family name for sure. Jesus says to them, uh, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? You see, we kind of know what the disciples don't know. However, they should know it because Jesus has told them over and over again. 
the road that Jesus is walking is a road that leads to torture, to death, to suffering. The cup that Jesus is talking about is the cup of his death. The baptism that he's talking about is the baptism of his blood and dying on a cross. How ridiculous it must have sounded to Jesus when James and John look at him and go, yeah, we're able. We're deep in the gospel of Mark. And these knuckleheads are still clueless. They're just as clueless as they were when they dropped their nets to follow him. You know what? So are we. We are just as clueless as they are. We, too, want a world that is convenient. We, too, want a place of power and prominence. But that is not what Jesus is all about. Uh, Will Willimon, in a blog post, uh, said this uh, about this passage. Jesus is not a technique for getting what we want out of God. Jesus is God's way of getting what God wants out of us. God wants a world that is restored a world that is redeemed. And the way God plans to accomplish that is through ordinary people like James and John who want to sit at his left and his right and like you and me. The way of Jesus is not convenient. Uh, the most important lessons we can learn, the most informative, transformative journeys we take, and the most powerful experiences we have are rarely convenient. The great Billy Graham says it this way, comfort and prosperity have never enriched the world as much as adversity has. Think about it, the things that make us better, the things that help us grow, the things that make us sharper, the things that fill us with pride of accomplishment are the things that are hard and not very convenient. Now, convenience culture has been a growing problem in the uh, church since the 1950s. Church has become less and less over the years as a community of people living life together and journeying together and more about convenience. 
does the church have a good youth program or children's program? Does it have good music? Does it have good preaching? Are the service times convenient for my family? If we take the scripture seriously, there are three reasons for the church. One, to offer worship to God. Two, to share Jesus with the world. And three, to teach the disciples how to follow Jesus. I hope that sounds real familiar to you. The purpose of the church is to worship, serve, and grow. It is not to give a convenient way to check something off of our list. Our text today, this story gives some ideas of how we can begin to bridge the gap between who we are and who God wants us to be to help us move from people uh, who see our faith as a commodity to people who live their faith authentically with each other each and every day. Uh, I think the first thing that we can begin to work on is humility. Uh, when James and John ask for a place of prominence, they, they let their need for power overcome the desire for authenticity. They began to think more about this relationship with Jesus and what it could do for them rather than how they can help the kingdom in the world today. St. Augustine, who is considered uh, the most prominent of Christian thinkers after Paul, said this, do you wish to rise? Begin by descending. You plan a tower that will pierce the clouds. Lay first the foundation of humility. Being humble is a vital characteristic of a Jesus follower. At its core, humility puts aside its own egos in order to truly listen and truly meet people where they actually are. You know, a humble person appreciates collaboration with others, even when those other people disagree with them. One of the things to remember when trying to live a more humble life is that it's not about getting your own way. We can focus so much of the time on winning that we forget that when we win, somebody else loses. Now, that may, say some, may sound simple and dumb, right? In sports, that's okay. That's the point of sports is someone needs to win and someone needs to lose. But when it comes to life, it's different. We don't need to look at things as winners and losers because when we do that is when we begin to tear down and hurt people. Uh, your clergy team here, here at Asbury, uh, we really like each other. Uh, I hope that comes across when we interact with one another. We really do enjoy each other. And we have a group text where, where mostly we goof off. Uh, sometimes we share something significant. 
uh, that might help us as we're going through our, our week. And every now and then we'll work, but not a whole lot on the group text. Yesterday, Mike Holly, our senior pastor, sent a story about sportsmanship that happened in the women's NCAA tournament. You probably haven't heard of it because it involves South Carolina, and uh, uh, Mike heard it because he went to South Carolina and he was always pushing the Gamecocks. Uh, but South Carolina coach Don Staley is getting some accolades for being a good sport. In the game the other day against UCLA, a UCLA player went up for a rebound and came down awkwardly, and I'm, I can't remember if it was an ankle or a knee, but but she got hurt and she was on the floor just rolling in pain. And as SC drove the floor, it was four on five. And Coach Staley took a timeout. And Coach Staley was asked about it in the press conference and she said it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do to make sure the young lady was okay. At some point, her win-lose attitude shifted because it involved people. Jesus said at the end of our reading today, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Uh, another way for us to move away from a culture of convenience is to serve one another. If, if the gospel of Mark is right, I believe it's right. And if it's right that the Son of God didn't come to serve, but to serve, then we have got to put away our need for entitlement. Jesus met people where they are. He helped the blind regain their sight. He helped the lame to walk. He helped lepers be cleansed. He helped the deaf to hear. He helped the dead to rise. And the poor, he preached the good news. The convenient thing to do is to ignore the suffering of other people, to pretend like we don't even realize that it's going on. The hard part is being available to get involved in other people's lives. Uh, I was traveling with my mom yesterday to a family funeral down in Mobile, and she was telling me about a class that she's in at her church at Alabaster uh, United Methodist Church, and, and there came across this phrase that just stuck with me of being radically available. I mean, our schedules are so packed there are things that pull us from all directions, but the truth is some of that stuff just isn't important. Some of that stuff we can let go of. How much time, oh my gosh, if I started writing down how much time I spent on Instagram or Facebook or on Hulu or Netflix, we need to become radically available so that we can meet people where they are. When we humble ourselves and get into the habit of serving others, then we better have some courage. In our text, Jesus says uh, to James and John, are you willing to sip the cup that I drink from? 
or be baptized with my baptism. If you remember, Jesus didn't want to drink from that cup. Uh, In Luke's gospel, uh, at the Last Supper, he's having a Passover meal with his disciples. And and at this meal, uh, Jesus makes aware to them again that he's going to suffer and that he's going to die And again, these knuckleheads debate over who's the greatest. Jesus predicts that Peter's going to deny him three times, not once, but three times. And Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives to pray. Do you remember what he prayed? Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will but yours be done. The Luke account says that Jesus was in so much anguish about the cup he was about to drink that he sweat blood. That can actually happen. I've had a doctor talk about the stress of a person can be so severe that you can sweat blood. But he had the courage to follow what God was asking him to do. The way of Jesus is not convenient. You know, the inconveniences that we avoid might just be what gives our lives some significance. I love reading, uh, having a series where we're all reading through the book of Mark because rarely can you take just a section of scripture like we do nearly every Sunday and preach it because that section of scripture, you interpret it based on what's happened before and what's happened after it, right? And so this, this has been kind of fun to kind of look at this whole gospel of Mark. Well, as soon as this passage is over, the very next passage, there are on the road again and they're walking and they're going and they come across a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Now, Bartimaeus hears the, the entourage coming because Jesus has now attracted quite a crowd and lots are going on. And, and, G, and Bartimaeus hears Jesus coming and, and Bartimaeus yells out to him, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the people around him are going, hush, (laughs) you're not important. Stop talking. But he talks even louder. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus calls him over and he asks him, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, in the Greek, this is the exact same question Jesus asked James and John in verse 36. Exact same question. What do you want me to do for you? Now, the two answers couldn't be more different. The ones who have been seeing and hearing Jesus teach all all along say, give us some convenience, man. We want to be on your left and right when you come into your glory. 
the problem is, is that this way of Jesus isn't very convenient. And, and Bartimaeus has been blind, has been reduced to begging for his own existence. And Bartimaeus answers, Lord, let me see again. Bartimaeus answers with what I think Jesus wants us to answer. What can I do for you? I just want to see. I just want to see. Uh, what do you want Jesus to do for you? Do you want a place of convenience, a place of power, a place of honor? Do you want to be right? Or do you want to see? Let's pray. Oh God, we come to you. We face struggles, we face hard times, but you are with us. Help us to see so that we can follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.